it's happened to everyone. And if it hasn't, it sure will happen to you that morning or afternoon, you're just minding your own business as you're driving down the road and somebody just comes out of nowhere. And there you are all of a sudden in an accident and never happened to you before if it's your first time and you have no idea what you're supposed to do. Are you more worried about your car? Are you more worried about yourself? And what happens in this aspect is most people are usually more concerned about the car in the beginning. Well, today we are going to dive into this a lot more. I'm Dr. Jason Alvian, and this is Structurally Sound. So today's show, I want to welcome a good friend of mine I've known for quite a few years now. And uh, this guy, I mean, when you think of personal injury attorneys and you think of the billboards out there and just lawyers in general, he does not fit the mold. This guy, it's just, he's fun to be around. He's actually down to earth, great person to talk to. And yet he oversees about what? I think something like 400 something employees, if I'm wrong. Well, Jensen, let's go to you. Jensen Grant, welcome to the show. Well, Doc, thanks for the uh, thanks for the intro introduction. That's uh, that's very humbling. Um, so yeah, I um, I manage and oversee the pre litigation department here at Kenner and Pinsluga. Um, the whole firm has about 400 employees. I oversee approximately 50 of them uh, in the day to day operations of the pre suit department. Oh man, that is that is awesome. So first, we're gonna we're gonna go into who Jensen is. So you got into law. How does that happen? How does one person decide I'm going to go down and go to school and become a lawyer? Sure. So I, I got to be honest, for me, it, it really came down uh, between uh, choosing law school, which was three years, uh, or going to get my PhD at uh, UF in political science, which was going to be six years. And I, I frankly just decided that I didn't want to be in school for six years. Uh, and uh, I went to law school instead. Um, and it, it worked out. I, I wouldn't change it for a thing. All right. Tell, tell us about your experience at law school. When did you go? Where did you go? What was it like for you? Sure, sure. So I, I went to American University in Washington, D.C., um, I actually had a, a really great experience there. Um, you know, I thought DC would be a good city for law school. Um, and I think I, I was right. Um, you know, I, I will say, I think, uh, law school gets a reputation for being very cutthroat, um, even amongst your fellow students. And I just, I did not find that to be the case there at American. So, um, the professors were fantastic. Uh, there was a good amount of experiential learning, you know, actually getting your feet wet with, client work. Um, and the students that I was there with at the time, you know, everyone was was helping each other out. And, and um, it was a great experience. So um, I, I can't say enough good things about about the school. Okay, so all the way up in DC, and uh, here you are in Florida. Uh, what brought you to Florida? So I'm actually a Florida boy born and raised. I was born in uh, Tampa, um, was there uh, until I went to college, uh, came over to FAU. Uh, up in Jupiter, uh, the Jupiter campus. And then I went to DC for, for law school just to get that, uh, I guess, out of state experience and uh, came back home. This, this is where I belong. <laughs> well, now, from what I remember, um, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you start working in law prior to going to law school or right at the beginning of law school? 
Yeah, so I, I actually worked here at Canner and Pintaluga when it was um, much smaller. Um, instead of the 400 employees, you know, attorneys and staff we have now, it's uh, well, there were two attorneys, the, the two the two senior partners, uh, Howard Canner and Eric Pintaluga, and we had maybe eight or ten staff. Um, so I, I worked here uh, as a legal assistant basically when I was still in college, uh, my senior year. I I chose to kind of jump out of working at the bookstore on campus and do something <laughs> a little more worthwhile. Oh, that sounds, yeah, yeah I, I would agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah, I can thank, I can thank my now wife for pushing me in that direction. That was a good call. So um, yeah, and uh, kept in touch with them and, and came back right after school and been here ever since. So now you say eight employees, what, what year was this that you were, you started working? Uh, I started working as a legal assistant in 2006. I worked here from about February till about August when I left for law school. So from the, you started working there 2006, so that's 15 years ago. So in 15 years, this company went from eight people to 400. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, my looking at something like that, you can only assume that they're doing something right for their clients. I'd like to think so. If that's going that way. So that's, that's definitely it. All right. So you look over, like you said, the, the PIP suit. Um, what is, what does that mean? Most people don't may not understand what PIP is. They might be thinking Pippi Longstocking. I don't know. Right. Right. (laughs) So, so yeah, I over, I oversee, um, not PIP, but the pre-suit department. Um, but I'm happy to talk about PIP too. Um, Pre-suits basically uh, where cases are before a lawsuit has been filed. Um, the reality is uh, the vast majority of the time, you know, we're fortunately able to resolve a client's claim for injuries and damages uh, without having to file a lawsuit, you know, which saves at the end of the day uh, a lot of time uh, for the client, saves the client a lot of money, um, you know, court costs and, and attorney's fees typically are more once cases are in litigation. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, um, it, it's a good thing at the end of the day, you know, I, I enjoy it because, uh, you know, not only am I helping people, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm hopefully helping them, uh, get their case completely resolved, you know, for, for a fair value, um, without having to go to court. Yeah. And it seems like if you're able to get that fixed before court, obviously the costs and everything, but you've got to also understand where your client's coming from and you've got to be a pretty good negotiator to get that settled prior between both, both your party that you're representing and the, uh, the person that you are suing for this, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I think there's a big difference, um, amongst, uh, a lot of the firms out there and the way that, not just the insurance companies will work with you, but um, how they will negotiate with you and what they offer uh, to you. Um, it's it's sort of an open secret in our industry that insurance companies are are data hounds and they track not just data on claims, but data on attorneys. Um, and they know what attorneys are going to push, um, you know, for max value, what attorneys are, are willing to litigate, even though that's not something I do um, directly. You know, as a firm, we are very aggressive uh, putting cases in litigation if needed. At the end of the day, we want to do what's right for the client. Um, that's, that's first and foremost. Um, so, so they know, yeah. If, yeah, they know if they don't get it settled with you, it's going to move over to a, a different department and they're going to have a lot more to go through. Yeah. They're going to have to deal with a litigator. Correct. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they, uh, they, they know, and, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, as a, as a consumer, as a, as a potential client or a client, they don't necessarily know, 
you know, which firms are, are those that the insurance companies um, will, um, th which firms will stand up to, to the insurance companies, I guess is a better way to put it. You know? So with, with your negotiating skills being up there, how good are you at negotiating with your wife and, and family? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I seem to lose my magic as soon as I leave the office, uh, particularly with my, my five-year-old. Uh, oh, they do it on they? a regular basis, <laughs> especially with uh, with bedtime. <laughs> yeah, you you decide. You know what? You pick your battles. You you put on the yeah. game face when you're at the office, but when it comes to that child looking up at you, you can't win, can you? No, exactly. <laughs> I cannot. It's a battle I'm willing to lose. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. <clears throat> Uh, people that are, are the, the lay people out there, the ones that possibly may be getting into an accident. And mm -hmm. uh, this is the first time it's ever come through. Uh, yeah. If they're listening to this beforehand, what is some of the advice you'd want to give out there for somebody that's getting into that first car accident where they're still able to, able to get out of the car um, right. and it's not a, a, a total loss? Those are the ones that tend to not know what to do. Obviously, if you're in a very bad accident, you're transported to the hospital because right. there's no other choice. Right. Right. I would say first and foremost, always call the police. Um, cases can get complicated if the police are not called and a report isn't made. Uh, you can actually even run into some insurance coverage issues depending on uh, the policy that you have. So you know, even if you think at the time it's minor and even if you're going to be running 30 minutes late for Sunday dinner at grandma's, um, you know, have the have the police come out, uh, make a report. Um, and, you know, my advice uh, always, if you're feeling any kind of um, dis even discomfort, you know, much less pain, um, you should get checked out, you know, by uh, by someone like Dr. Alvin, you, you know, who can assess the injury and has a lot of experience and expertise um, in, um, in treating these kinds of injuries, which, you know, the, the type of stuff we typically see, uh, it's just, it's not something you're, that's visible, you know, and I think that's, uh, for a lot of people, um, puts them in a place where they put off medical care, uh, which can be ultimately detrimental, not just for, for a legal case, but ultimately for their health, you know, so I would always err on the side of, of getting examined and getting checked out. Yeah, I know from uh, my experience, uh, a lot of patients um, that do get into these uh, these minor accidents where the body gets jolted, but they don't actually hit anything, they don't notice anything right away. Uh, just right. the adrenaline goes through the system. Um, the inflammation hasn't set in and they might feel a little off, but they don't feel too, too bad. And then when they get up the next day or the day after that, they're going, what is this? What's going on? Right. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's scary. You know, it's... It's, it's sad in a way because the insurance companies really have taken control of this narrative, you know, uh, and I, I have clients coming to me in, in, in full confidence and confidentiality and, and in privileged conversations and, and telling the, as if they have to justify their claim to me, their attorney, the person who they hired, the person who they want to fight for them. You know, oh, I know my car doesn't look bad, but I'm, I'm really hurt. You know, Mr. Grant, I'm, I'm, my back really bothers me, you know, and I see it time and again. You know, um, and it's something that at the end of the day, um, don't be a hero, you know, go get checked out. And, and I'd rather I, you know, I've told this the same thing to family and friends. I'd rather people go get checked out. They feel better in a day or two and it ends up being nothing than you know, it'd be a couple weeks later. And it's it's worse um, than it than it otherwise would be if you had gotten timely medical care. 
Yeah, definitely with uh, vehicles, the, the damage to the vehicle does not always represent the damage that happened to the person. Um, and, and this might sound like a bad analogy, but I use this with patients sometimes. I'm like, if you got hit in the head with a rock, what's the rock going to look like? There's going to be nothing. The rock's going to look exactly the same way as before it hit you, but you could have a really bad damage. Um, cars can be the same way. The shock that can happen to the body may not damage the car as much as your body getting thrown around. Exactly. That's a, that's a good analogy. I like that. I, I think <laughs> you, I'm going to use it. You're going to yeah. use yeah. yeah. I, it, it, I'm not sure if it's good or bad, but it's you, because one thing doesn't look bad doesn't right. mean that the other thing didn't get damaged. Um, Correct. That we we exactly. look at that. They look at that in football with head injuries with the helmets. The helmets don't look bad, but the, the head injuries could still be there. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I've, I've definitely seen this before. A pedestrian, whether they're walking or riding a bike or something, and they get hit by another vehicle. What do they do in that aspect? Um, they're not sure as far as insurance goes. And a lot of people in Florida think that, oh, if the other person hit me, aren't their insurance supposed to pay for it? Yeah. So if, if you're a pedestrian and you have your own uh, car that's insured, um, that PIP coverage you alluded to earlier, that no fault coverage, uh, that's up to $10,000 and is essentially a, a limited health insurance policy that only applies when you're involved in an accident. Uh, that policy would kick in even if you were not in your vehicle. Um, if you are not insured or you don't own a car, um, more precisely, or you don't live with someone who owns a car that is insured, uh, you actually can get that that no fault PIP coverage from the vehicle that struck you, um, as well as potentially have access to um, what's called bodily injury coverage, which is basically uh, insurance that uh, covers damages that the driver causes to someone else. Um, so the, I guess the short answer is it, it depends as, as with so many things in the law. <laughs> there, there's so many things, but the, the point is, is you can help somebody sift through that to figure out what their coverage is, should they... Uh they work with your firm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're, we've been doing this now for over 15 years. So uh, if there is insurance coverage there, we will, we will find it. Um, you know, police reports, investigations, private investigators, we have a number of actually database services we utilize now that, that are just straightforward insurance searches um, that will, you know, we'll submit a request and they'll spit it back out. So we go through a lot of steps um, to try to find insurance coverage on a case. If it's there, we'll find it. Okay. Now, now I, I know there's uh, there's state minimums as far as insurance goes on what you need to have to get your car covered. And then there's what should actually be recommended. Um, what's the difference between the, the, the lowest level of coverage you can get and what you would recommend to somebody to make sure that they're safe? Yeah. So night and day, really. So Florida really only requires two coverages to get on the road. Um, the first is, is property damage coverage. And basically that is insurance that you have to cover someone else's property. If you cause damage to it, if it's your fault and it's damaged. So if you, you know, rear end someone else, that property damage coverage will, uh, will come into play. The other, the second kind of coverage that's required is, is, is the PIP we were discussing, the no-fault coverage that covers the first $10,000 of medical expenses. Um, so those are really the only two you need in Florida uh, to get on the road. Um, and what you'll notice there, what's not legally required is any kind of coverage for injuries to other people. So what ends up happening, um, you have a lot of people driving around Florida without bodily injury coverage. So without coverage 
that will cover other people if they were at fault in an accident and injure them. Um, so because of that, I, I strongly recommend to, um, to friends, family, and clients that they carry what's called uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage. Um, some people refer to it as just UM. Uh, that will cover you in the event that the, uh, you're in an accident uh, that someone else caused uh, or and someone else is at fault for, and they don't have bodily injury coverage. Or uh, more common, they don't have a lot of bodily injury coverage and your uh, damages, your claim is worth more than the coverage they have. Um, you know, without that coverage, you're, you're taking a big risk driving around. Um, you know, I definitely understand uh, people, uh, most people are very premium sensitive and they're looking to save as much as they can. I always recommend going through an insurance agent that represents multiple insurance companies so you can get the best quote possible. Um, but I, I really think you, you, you got to have UM. Okay. Uh, now, is there, now with that minimum uh, level of PIP at 10,000, I mean, people hear that number and it sounds like a, a large number, $10,000. Um, right. In the medical field, that somebody gets injured, that, that goes real quick. Is there anything above that that somebody could um, add to their policy should they want to? So if you want to purchase additional coverage to cover just the medical bill side of things, uh, you can either purchase additional PIP um, on your policy, or you can purchase what's called medical payments or med pay. Mm -hmm. um, that would cover um, additional billing that's incurred by you after an accident. Um, my recommendation would be to, to if you're going to get it, maybe get a small amount to cover your deductible so that you're not actually out of pocket because PIP typically has a $1,000 deductible. That means that it's not going to start paying anything until you incur $1,000 in bills. So my recommendation, if you're going to get anything ab above the regular PIP, just the straight $10,000, um, you might want to get like $1,000 in med pay just to sort of cover that, that donut hole, so to speak, in the deductible. Um, but I would put the rest of the premium dollars towards uninsured motorists because that can cover not just the billing uh, that you incur, but it also uh, is set up to compensate you for pain and suffering, future medical care, and things like that. So it's, it's a more comprehensive coverage. So it sounds like if somebody has the, the minimum coverage, um, they get rear-ended and they decide that they're just going to use their coverage to get treated and they're not going to work with a, an attorney or a firm or anything like that, and they go see a, a physician, uh, they're going to have to pay that first $1,000 themselves out of pocket before that's going to kick in to actually cover anything that they may have, which would really mean that they only technically have like $9,000 worth of coverage. Is that correct? It, well, it, it's still $10,000, but it won't kick in until the, the $1,000 deductible is met. So, okay. uh, and there, there's actually, um, you know, 20% uh, is considered a copay for PIP. So they pay up to $10,000 after that deductible, but they also only pay 80% of every bill. So, um, you know, if you're not working with an attorney that can make other arrangements for you, um, you could have significant out-of-pockets even just going through your own PIP coverage. You know, you have a thousand dollar deductible. That's a thousand dollars right there. Uh, you know, and let's say you only incur five thousand dollars in medical expenses, which is is rare because, as you pointed out, Doc, the, the the medical expenses can can get high very quickly. Um, you know, but your your copay on that five thousand dollars could be as much as a th another thousand dollars. You know, twenty percent. So um, you could be out of pocket two thousand dollars for an accident that's not your fault. 
Oh, know, which man. Is, and uh, yeah, and a lot a of tough people spot to be in. Yeah, a lot of people don't, I think, don't understand that. And I mean, realistically, why would they? I mean, they, they want to get on the road, they right. want to get to work, they get their insurance because they're supposed to have it. Uh, it's not taught in schools or anything like that. Uh, now, somebody uh, does get in an accident, and they're going to hire you as their, their attorney. Um, what's the cost to hire your law firm? So we work on contingency, um, which means our fee is a percentage of what we recover for our clients. Um, the way I, I like to tell my clients is I, you know, I get paid for results. So um, we don't work like uh, like most other attorneys. You're not paying me by the hour. You're not paying me a point uh, one, uh, you know, uh, six minutes to to send you an email and billing you fifty dollars. Um, <laughs> you know, you're you're paying me to to move the case. Uh, we get paid when our clients get paid. You know, it's as simple as that. So um, I, it's one of the big reasons I love what I do because my, uh, my, both my professional interest and my financial interests are in the same boat as my client. Um, so there's really no question that I want what's best for them. You know, I know so, everyone uh, has a, has a bad lawyer story for someone uh, that they paid by the hour that seemed to, <laughs> to really do nothing, but, you know, um, sucked up five or $10,000. So so they, 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 hire, they hire you, you do the, the work for them, make sure that they're protected. And um, should something not go right and there's nothing to settle with the case, they don't owe you anything. Correct. Exactly. And so it's, it's really should be a no brainer to get somebody to help them out with this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we're serious about, you know, assisting our clients and, and trying to, to get them back where they were before the accident as best we can. You know, that means assisting uh, with their financial recovery, obviously, uh, coordinating with their doctors to make sure they're getting the care that they need. Um, we even have an in-house property damage department uh, for our motor vehicle accident clients uh, that will assist in getting their car repaired. Uh, we don't charge extra or separately for that. It's just um, a department with several staff that are here to help our clients, you know, because at the end of the day, you're in a motor vehicle accident uh, and you're in Florida, there's uh, public transportation's basically non-existent. You're going to need <laughs> your car. So, you know, we want to help you get back on the road and, and get back um, on your way to recovery. Uh, now, um, I, I know you don't do this, um, but I, I have heard this from uh, uh, previous patients um, that have worked with other attorneys. They, they've, they've hired an attorney and then they never hear from them again for months and months on ends. Um, I don't think that's you, you, I know you don't do that, but why would uh, an, an attorney not have contact with a patient for that many months? What's going on? Uh, I, I think at that point, it, it's clear that the case just isn't a priority for that attorney, um, okay. unfortunately. Um, you know, I, one of the things I like about how we handle cases, having separate attorneys do pre-litigation versus separate attorneys do litigation and trial work is every case uh, has an attorney at the firm. And, and by that, I mean, not just someone who on paper is your lawyer, uh, but someone who speaks to you within two or three days of hiring us, you will hear from that lawyer and they will call you and they will explain the case process to you, just like our staff do, but just to kind of reinforce it, make themselves available for questions. Um, and our staff are trained um, to uh, set up conference calls if a, if a client's requesting it. Um, my I actually have set up for my associates um, five days a week. They do conference calls with clients. At least two of those days are specifically set aside for existing clients who either we want to speak to and clarify something or check in on them, 
or the client's requesting to speak to the attorney. So, you know, with us, you're never really going to wait more than two to three business days to speak to your attorney um, if you're looking to. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's definitely good. Because I, I know from, from my aspect, because um, I do physical treatment with people uh, um, through uh, structural chiropractic, and it seems that most of the time when they're going through this process, they see me the most as, sure. as, as far as treatment, because it's a constant thing. So they'll even ask me questions and I'm like, well, that's a question for your attorney. And I want to make sure that they, uh, uh, they have places that they have somebody that they can talk to. Right. No, <laughs> absolutely. What, and I know you do that. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. And, and of course, I mean, that's over and above the staff contact and, and the case managers that are on each case. So, you know, client, you have to make yourself available to, to your clients. You know, it's not just, um, a business practice at the end of the day, it's a professional obligation that we have. So, um, you know, we take that seriously. Oh, that's great. That's, that's always a uh, uh, good, good news. Um, what is a, uh, I, I'll throw it out as a gem. What's a gem that you could throw out there that somebody could utilize as they're going through this process to make sure that they're either doing or not doing? Um, I, I think a big one is following through on the recommendations of the doctors who, who are treating you. Um, you know, it's something that we repeatedly emphasize to clients and, you know, time and again, I, I, I see people who I think just have to actually experience it. Uh, and by that, I mean, they have to see that the offer that we're getting from the insurance company is not what they're looking for. Um, and a lot of the time it's because, uh, even though that client is not feeling well and, and needs the treatment and tells us, yes, it's helping me. I really need to go uh, for one reason or the other. They're just not as consistent as they could be uh, with their plan of care from their treating physicians and insurance companies will penalize you for that. Um, you know, in their mind, they, they're, they have a very simple logic, injured people treat, you know, so if you are not consistent and following your care plan, um, they're just going to say, well, you must not be that hurt. And many times that's not the case. So I, I would, I think that's very important. Yeah. I, I, following that, the recommendation care, it's just, okay, here's the recommendations to follow. And if you follow this, you're going to get better. Well, right. yeah, if you look at it, well, if you're not doing it, they, they see it as, well, then how bad are you? <laughs> right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I, 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 um, I think that's a big one because I, I think some, uh, a good number of my clients seem to think that, uh, cases have a set value just based on there being an accident uh, and there being a claim for injury, but that's just not the case. Um, it's really based on the medical documentation in large part um, and the extent of medical care. Um, you know, there are lots of other factors obviously that go into that, but um, you're not going to be seeing a significant financial recovery if you don't make your, um, your health recovery a priority, you know? Um, there just won't be enough evidence to substantiate that large of a settlement or of a claim, you know? All right. So now person hires you. Um, how often do they have to come to your office to meet with their attorney? It's entirely up to them. Uh, we're doing in-person meetings, but, um, you know, between uh, the pandemic and uh, just the, the progression of technology, even before that, um, I mean, we can do everything, um, you know, via Zoom and, and telephone calls, email. Uh, we even, I have, ha, I have a texting program now that my case managers use to text our clients. So um, we try to make it as easy as possible. And, you know, if you don't want to come to the office uh, or one of our offices throughout the, uh, the state, that's perfectly fine. 
Uh, we have no no issue with it. We, at the end of the day, you know, we know that we're in the business of helping injured people. Um, and when you get into accidents or slip and falls, um, you're going to have a lot on your plate. And everything that you kind of were already dealing with in life is, is going to get stacked on top of, you know, if you're in a car accident, I got to get my car fixed. How do I get to work? You know, I can't drive it. Um, we, we really, everything that we do is built around being as convenient as possible for the client. So, so that's great. So the, the fact that a client can actually work with you and never actually have to come to a location, you've got a pretty far reach that you can uh, help people throughout the state. Yeah. I mean, we have offices in several cities. Uh, we're, we're based out of here in Boca Raton, but yeah, we handle everything from the Panhandle over to Jacksonville, down to Orlando, Tampa, Southwest Florida, and, and of course, Southeast Florida, you know, uh, Palm Beach, Broward, and, and Miami. Okay. Um, are you able to work with anybody in other states? So my, my firm actually does have offices in several other states. Uh, we have attorneys who are admitted there, who are licensed there, and um, have been practicing there for years. Um, Georgia, South Carolina, uh, Illinois. Um, there, there are a couple others. I don't always remember all of them. But, but, but yeah. no, that, that, that's, that's great. I mean, so, I mean, uh, somebody that listens to this and th they've got somebody that lives up in Illinois that got into an accident mm -hmm. and they can mm -hmm. say, Hey, I know this guy that yep. works out of Boca and his firm has offices up there and could help that out as well. Oh, uh, that's great. So now uh, we're getting to the end here. So what is your contact? How do people get a hold of your law office? Sure. So our, our main line is uh, 561-424-0032. That's our, uh, rings our main office here in Boca Raton. And um, they can email me if they'd like with any questions. I'm happy to answer any um, questions or concerns about insurance, generally insurance coverages. Um, I have you know friends and family who send me their, uh, their insurance coverage information and ask for advice. I'm happy to give it. My email address is J as in Jensen, my first name. Grant, G-R-A-N-T, my last name, at kpattorney.com. That's jgrant at kpattorney.com. Oh, that's awesome. So they can get you directly now. Yeah, they can, they can. <laughs> that, is, that is always good. Well, Jensen, thank you for uh, joining the show. And, and again, if anybody uh, needs to get in contact with Jensen and uh, you're, for whatever reason, unable to do it from uh, this recording, you can always contact the show. Uh, just say, oh, I want to get Jensen Grant's information and we will make sure we get it out to you. Uh, again, Jensen Grant with Canner and Pintaluga. Jensen, thank you for joining us today. Doc, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. And again, I'm Dr. Jason Alvian, and this is Structurally Sound. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.